Hey guys, I just wanted to sneak in here real quick and remind you that Brooke and I have actually created an incredible online self-guided audio course just for you. It's live right now. Click the link in the description box below to check it out. If you're tired of diets, having anxiety around food, worrying about what to eat, how much to eat, and when to eat, then this course is perfect for you. We take you from where you're at now to a life of food freedom. There's 10 modules filled with audio lectures and journal prompts that will help you dig deep and make lasting change. Okay, thanks for listening. And now back to the show. All right. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back, Diet Riders. To the Diet Riot Podcast. I'm Brooke Miller. I'm Alyssa Miller. We're both dietitians. Both moms. Both live in Denver. And both from the Midwest. And both still quarantined, kind of. <laughs> Yeah, we're full on quarantined here in Denver. I don't know what you're talking about. It's coming out this week, right? I don't know. I don't even know. I think it's, I know. We're just not even checking the news anymore, you guys. It's it's too far gone. We'll just be home forever. So (laughs) this is the new normal for us forever. Um, But today we've got an awesome guest for you guys. So we've got Bonnie and she is from Diet Culture Rebel. So if you guys follow her on Instagram like we do, then you are getting all the goods. And now we're going to have her on our podcast and chatting all things intuitive eating. So um, Bonnie, why don't you introduce yourself and tell everyone like who you are, what you do, how you got into the space, and we can take it from there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I am so excited to be here today. Um, my name is Bonnie, and I'm a registered dietitian. I've been a dietitian for about four years, and now I help women overcome years and years and years of disordered eating, feeling guilt around food, obsessing over food, and I help them get to a place where they can feel free around food and eat without guilt. And before this, I was working in a sales position as a, working for a food brokerage, actually. And it was fine. It was great, but it just wasn't fulfilling me like this has. And um, just to, so, to some personal experiences growing up with my own history of disordered eating and other women in my family who struggled with it, you know, I knew that this is something that I wanted to, to really do. So I decided to pursue that. And now what I do with coaching and helping other women live a life of food freedom, this is what I do full time. So that's how I got to where I am today. That's awesome. Living the dream for sure. I mean, helping so many women and even just your Instagram following it is so inspiring and so much fun. You're so much fun on there. You're on there like every day, which is awesome. And I love your handle, Diet Culture Rebel. Obviously, I feel like we're on the same page with Diet Mm -hmm. Riot, (laughs) Diet Culture Rebel. That's awesome. Pushing the boundaries of that diet culture stuff, you guys. <laughs> I know, doing my best, and it's you might as well make it fun, right? Make it that's make exactly it fun to right. rebel against diet culture or riot against it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's that's the way to do it, you guys, is to just take it back and push back harder. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were talking a little bit before we got on air about how we all kind of came to this intuitive eating through a journey of our own. And we're not taught intuitive eating in school. As far as I know, it's still not even necessarily being taught, maybe touched on in mm-hmm. school. But I I assume, Bonnie, you're just like us, where when you went through schooling, they didn't talk about intuitive eating. It was very much like 
weight management was actually an entire class I had focused on restriction and focused on, you know, moving your body more, eating less, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And so we were all talking about how in our practice, things have really shifted. So I wanted to maybe talk more about that and maybe tell us your story of that, how you started in um, coaching women and where you're at now and kind of how you got there. Yeah, so I would really agree with you in saying that in undergrad and what I was taught in school, it was strictly focused around weight management. So I felt like I only had a few options of avenues that I could take when I decided to pursue private practice. So I learned a lot about weight management and I learned various ways to help people lose weight. Uh, So one of them was low carb and I thought that just made the most sense to me when I started my private practice. So that's where I started to be quite honest. And it's because I, I really didn't know much different. I was not familiar with the intuitive eating field at all because it wasn't touched on at all in my undergrad. No one talked about it in my dietetic internship. So it was kind of like a foreign land to me, even though I was really at the place where I was eating intuitively. I wasn't familiar that dietitians were working in this space and that it was even a career opportunity for me. So I went full on and I went head first in with the low carb thing on Instagram. You can even scroll back to my very old post. I keep that on there because I think that it's important to see even how dietitians can transition from you know a weight-focused approach to a non-weight-focused approach. Um, because just like a lot of you all who might be listening, you know we kind of go through this phase too, where we're kind of stuck in diet culture and focused on weight. And then through learning about intuitive eating and how it can actually be harmful to focus so much on weight, you know, we have to transition too in our careers. And sometimes it's not very easy, but honestly, it's the most rewarding thing that I've ever done. So when I got on Instagram and I was doing the low carb thing and helping people lose weight, um, I started to learn more about intuitive eating because there's so many amazing dietitians on Instagram who preach intuitive eating. And that's how I learned about it. So everyone was talking about it and I decided I would go ahead and just read the book. I was like, I need to hear what all of the talk is about. So when I read the book, I probably went through about a month where I was just in this really weird cognitive dissonance phase. I was like, what I'm doing is wrong, but how do I transition? So I kind of had this month where I just felt so torn. And basically after going crazy over that one month period, I decided to pivot in my business move from a weight focused approach to focusing on intuitive eating and helping women improve their health through behavior changes, not just looking at weight. Yeah, that's so amazing. And I feel like that's very brave to do it on social media. So I, I never had a dietitian like professional social media until very, very, very recently, Mm -hmm. like the last month. And so I was also coaching what you were coaching. I was coaching lower carb, higher fat, not necessarily keto again, like you, but um, we were doing the same thing. And I thought I was helping people. I thought that I was helping people lose weight to become healthier. And that's, it's because it's what we learned in school. We were programmed this way. And then again, I started really getting out of that and listening to intuitive eating podcasts, reading all the books. And I had read intuitive eating like seven, eight years ago. And I always in the back of my mind knew it was right and that it worked. But it's so scary to take away the weight piece of it because that's what people want. People always come to us. How do I lose weight? Losing weight means I'm healthy. If I lose weight, that automatically means I'm healthy. And we just have to help our clients realize that 
losing weight doesn't necessarily mean that you're becoming healthier. And just because you're losing weight, like Adele right now, she's eating a thousand calories a day and losing weight and everyone's praising her. And it's like, well, no, she's not losing weight in, in a healthful way. Um, mm-hmm. Alyssa and I recently just did a podcast and we do talk about how we're not against weight loss. If somebody does intuitive eating, they're way above their set point weight. And for a while, like they change their habits and they do lose weight and then they become at their set point weight. That's okay. We're not against that. We're not going to tell our clients they're bad for that. But I just, um, yeah, I just want to thank you for being out there in public and showing that it's okay to pivot and to go from being a weight loss dietitian um, to focusing on this approach. Because I mean, we've both seen it coaching people that way. It doesn't necessarily work in the way that people want it to and then we just Mm -hmm. see such a bigger and better transformation when we're helping people in this way and yeah it's it's so refreshing to like be around other dietitians in this space and there's so many out there and it's awesome to see Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that transformation, like you're talking about, like, yes, while you're working with a healthcare professional, while you have accountability, while you have a tracking app, while you're taking your weight every day, maybe your weight does go down. But what's what happens the second you're only accountable to yourself? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where that long term mindset that Brooke and I talk about so frequently is so important is do you really want to be on Weight Watchers for the rest of your life? Do you want to be 70 years right. old and still wondering if you have enough points to eat your birthday cake or whatever? Yeah. I mean, it's it's literally such a sad picture of what your life could look like versus finding food freedom, becoming an intuitive eater, and being accountable only to yourself and how your body feels and not trusting someone else to tell you what will feel best in your body. Mm-hmm. I was never a low-carb or weight loss-specific dietitian, but I was a victim of the wellness diet. So this mm-hmm. whole idea and, um, oh my gosh, it's it's so mind-blowing when you first realize what has been kind of spun to you about nutrition and diet culture and how it's so sneaky in the wellness culture of just a salad is better than this choice or I need to eat a big breakfast, small lunch, even smaller dinner or intermittent fasting or kind of more of those wellness ideas of, oh, I'm taking care of my body, you know, things like that, that rather than restriction. And so I was a real big um, proponent of more of the wellness kind of side of things and the over-exercising and everyone needs to be moving their body every day and all these sorts of things. And when you start to peel back the layers of diet culture, it's so incredible how many, I always call it tentacles, like tentacles are in mm-hmm. every area of health and wellness and how hard that is to pull back. So yeah, I want I want to say like amazing job for being tr- so transparent. Brooke and I talk about all the time how we <laughs> want to take down even our old episodes of Diet Riot because even just a year and a half ago, there were still so many things we were holding on to. We didn't even really know. And um, I think this is just such a great example to all of you who are listening that intuitive eating is a journey that takes a long time and you're never truly done. Would you agree mm-hmm. with that, Bonnie? You think that like as far as time frame for the clients that you coach, what does that usually look like? Yeah, I couldn't agree more with saying that intuitive eating is an ongoing process because a lot of our relationship with food depends on what's going on in our environment. So intuitive eating and what I do with my clients, you know, I teach them the tools to help them navigate life so that they can maintain their good relationship with food. A lot of the women I work with struggle with emotional eating and binge eating. So typically stressful events, like what's going on in the world right now with COVID. And <laughs> totally. Uh-huh. Um, these are triggers for them. So with intuitive eating, they learn how to cope with these stressful events without only turning to food. 
Um, but I agree. I mean, with intuitive eating, it's not something that you can just learn in like a month and then be done with it. It's something that you just like anything else in life that needs maintenance, you know, it takes maintenance throughout life. And I only work with women for a minimum of three months because you need that time to really make changes and learn how to implement the principles of intuitive eating. I mean, if, if I, I might even change things in the future to make it longer than three months because this really just, it just takes time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's so important. I think even for coaching clients, yeah, people just, they want a quick fix. They're like, Oh, okay. Make me an intuitive eater. Just heal my relationship with food in a month. And it's like, mm -hmm. you can't do that. I've even had people come to me like in the past, um, a few years ago and, Oh, I just need two sessions with you and I'll be fixed. <laughs> and it's like, okay, no, we can't fix all of these issues in two sessions. And I think, yeah, it's so important to know that if you are going to invest in, in a dietitian, a coach, any type of program with an intuitive eating dietitian, just like go all in and know that it's not going to happen overnight, but it's so worth it once you have that journey. And I love what you said about maintenance. I think that's a big piece is even when they're done coaching with you one-on-one -on -one, or if they're done coaching in a group session or whatever it may be they still need that maintenance phase because those old food rules are going to creep in slowly. And if they can see it right away and learn how to react, they're just going to be set, you know? And I think that's so important to have like that support. And I think what we as dietitians online can do is if we keep showing our message out there, if we keep following body positive accounts, we can, we can control our Instagram feed guys. Like, Oh, we just mm -hmm. did a post on this today and I, like on my Instagram feed and on my diet riot feed, all I see are um, body positive and intuitive eating dietitians. That's all I see on Instagram. Mm -hmm. If I go on my personal Instagram, which I'm never on, literally never on, I go on it. I see like fitness, like personal trainers and like all these celebrities like Kim Kardashian and all these like random people I follow. And it's depressing you know you go through your feed and you're like why did I just spend 10 hours like wasting away looking at these negative things so I think just even cleaning up your feed is is part of the maintenance phase too mm -hmm. that's probably one of the first things I do with my clients I'm not even kidding because yeah. our social media feed has so it just plays such a big role in our relationship with food I mean you can scroll through and see one thing and that's a trigger so creating that environment that supports you like you obviously you can't create an environment when you're out and about at the grocery store you can't remove magazines that are out that you know have diet culture written all over them but on your own phone you can absolutely make changes and delete accounts that don't serve you that reek of diet culture and follow all of the amazing dietitians and intuitive eating professionals that are out there because there are a lot of them mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, again, it goes back to that peeling those layers back of diet culture, too, because the first time you're kind of learning and opening your eyes to what diet culture is, you might un unfollow 10 or 15 accounts you think are really, you know, mm -hmm. wreaking havoc on it. And then it hour or an hour, a month later or a year later, you start to realize, oh, actually, these accounts are making me feel I always say icky is like the word like I just feel icky after looking at them. Mm -hmm. I feel bad about myself. I feel bad about my body. I'm going to make poor choices. So, and you don't really realize those accounts at first. So it really is a process. I want to go back to what you said about three months minimum, maybe longer and remind people the reason why that is, is because dietitians who are truly in this space to teach you intuitive eating, 
This is it for the rest of your life. We teach you how to become intuitive eaters and how to not fall for diet culture again, hopefully. That's the goal. Whereas Mm -hmm. these diets that are 30-day fixes or count your points, they're actual goal is to get you to rely on them to tell you what to eat so that you don't think you can do it on your own. That's Mm -hmm. their whole money-making scheme is they continue to sell you this idea that you can't do it yourself. You need someone else to do it for you. That's not our end game here at all, you guys. And it and honestly, like going back to the beginning, talking about like, Brooke, you were saying this is what everyone comes to us for is weight loss. Like we could all be probably pretty rich if we're just like 15 days to weight loss and yes. like totally strip people of their hydration. Like if we <laughs> wanted to be unethical, like it can totally happen. And there are some people out there doing it. So it's just reminding that this is a long process and we're in it for the long haul because we care about you. I mean, I see the way that you post on just on your Instagram. I know how much you care about these women and how much you actually want them to succeed. Gosh, I kind of feel emotional. (laughs) Uh, But it's just, you know, it's, it's so important to find someone to work with who actually cares about your long-term success, Mm -hmm. not just what they can claim they did for you, you know? Yeah. So Absolutely. Well, and you know, as we talk about all the time, just diet culture is just waiting for you to see some short term success over like a 30 day span. You feel like, oh my gosh, Weight Watchers is working or whatever the diet Mm -hmm. is. It's working for me. And then six months later, they feel like they failed. I fell off the bandwagon and they start getting these negative thoughts in their heads that they failed. Not that Mm -hmm. the diet's the diet failed you and diets don't work. And so I think changing people's mindsets around that and like taking that burden off of them, you know, you did not fail your diet, your diet failed you. It was meant to fail so that you go back to them and spend more money to get back on that diet. That's why I hear all the time. I've been on Weight Watchers five times. I've been on this app like six times. And it's because, you know, yeah, of course I could restrict right now and lose five pounds this month. But guess what's going to happen next month? That five pounds plus more is going to come back. And all I did was damage my body and like restrict. And that's not fun. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, I couldn't agree more. And with intuitive eating, it supplements your life versus like a diet that you go into. I know that a lot of women I've worked with when they've gone into diets, like they have to overhaul their life. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. they're ready to go to the grocery store and buy all of these foods to eat XYZ at breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks and skimp out on dinners out or lunch dates with their girlfriends. But with intuitive eating, you don't have to do that. You can make simple like changes just by checking in with yourself while you're eating or doing various things like that throughout your week. And that's why I I also recommend the slow uh, transitions with intuitive eating because it takes a lot of time to get back in touch with your body. And it's Mm -hmm. nice that you don't have to overhaul your life. Like you can start intuitive eating and keep your routine how it is. You don't have to go to the grocery store and totally change up your kitchen. You don't have to say no to all of your dining out fun experiences with your friends and family. No, your life can literally stay the same. You Mm -hmm. just learn how to listen to your body and eat in attunement with your body, supporting whatever kind of lifestyle you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and everything's yeah. about looking forward, you know, and knowing that this was just an eating experience. You don't need to carry that forward with you and say, okay, because I had this for lunch, I have to have this for dinner. Mm-hmm. It's each eating experience is completely isolated and on its own, and you can focus on your body and, and like you said, just find that attunement in each bite right. and in each eating experience versus, and it, 
and this isn't to say you have to be crazy mindful about how you're eating either, but (laughs) being able to tune in a little bit more each time, just go like a little bit deeper each time. And it's, it's a nice slow progression. Um, I wanted to touch on something that I saw you post about a while back and I've absolutely loved and thought about ever since is, um, and we're kind of talking about, you know, ridding your phone or um, whatever you can control from diet culture, but you Mm -hmm. had this post Um, I think it was a while ago about moving in with your significant other, or maybe if it's even maybe just a roommate or something. And if they don't follow intuitive eating, or they're going to have food in the house that you feel out of control around how you kind of handle that. Can you go into that? Do you know which post I'm talking about? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I've actually gotten a lot of good feedback on that post, because a lot of women I work with, you know, when they're living by themselves, everything is perfect and controlled, they can have their quote unquote, clean foods at home, and they feel totally fine. But then when they move in with their boyfriend or their husband or whatever it may be, they feel totally out of control. Or if they have roommates who bring in leftovers, sometimes they'll tell me that they just eat them all at once. So mm-hmm. all of these things happen where they feel out of control. And the post that you're referencing, I had shared it because, um, you know, I had said that when I was kind of doing things on my own living by myself, it was easy for me to control what I ate. You know, I didn't keep a lot of foods that I felt uncomfortable around the house, like Oreos or ice cream. And I knew that eventually one day I would want to move in with my now husband. We've been together for about 11 years now. So it's been a pretty long time. But, you know, five or so years ago, when I was struggling with this, I was like, what am I going to do when like, what if we actually do this thing? Like we get married, like we live together. What like, how can I do this? Because he loves bread and cookies and chips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was a pretty pivotal turning point for me personally to learn how to be okay with those foods because no one wants to be the girlfriend or the wife who is mad at her husband or boyfriend for wanting to keep cookies or chips at home. You know, no one wants to sound like the crazy person or like, you know, a nagging significant other telling their partner that they can't keep certain foods at home. That's never fun. So for me personally, that's why I decided I had to make some changes. And I posted that because so many of the women I work with have come to me to fix those specific problems that I explained in the post. Mm -hmm. I loved it because I don't think I've seen anyone else post about that before. Because even when you're working towards food freedom, when you're in isolation and you're, Mm -hmm. you know, sitting like by yourself, living by yourself, like you said, having control over what you buy, even being in the journey of intuitive eating, you're still in control of what you buy. And so some of those things are still maybe left over from diet culture that you didn't even realize. And so moving Mm -hmm. in with someone else or having someone else in your space does really challenge you and what those food rules are that, you know, that definitely happened with me and my husband, just like what he thinks of when he thinks of dinner and what I think of Mm -hmm. and how late he might stay up and eat or, you know, I'm not going to eat past a certain time or something like that. It challenges you. So I really love that post because it's so applicable to so many people. And I do think like at the very beginning of this episode, you were talking about those stress, stressful events or changes in your life. And I think this is one of them that we kind of glaze over and act like, oh, it'll Mm -hmm. be a fine transition even in intuitive eating, this is going to start challenging some things that you might be holding on to. So that's really an important distinction. I think you, you know, well, I'll make sure to post this to our stories, um, your old post to our stories today. So you guys can check it out because it's so, so important to just um, know that throughout your life cycle, (laughs) it's, it feels like we can have control (laughs) 
and and this is me. I'm like type A, like I love to feel like I'm in control, but in reality, we're really not, or we're giving up living our life so that we can hold on to control. And this is kind of one of those things like, okay, so are you not going to move in with the man that you love because you want to have control over your food? (laughs) You know, but it, it can be for some people that scary and that, uncomfortable to feel that out of control around food. And and if that's you that, you know, we're talking to, I absolutely understand you and I feel for you and know that there's a better way to feel just like Bonnie said, to get, to get this all righted in you now so that when life events come up, you can handle them, you know? Yeah. I, I second that no matter for any of the listeners on here, no matter how far gone you feel or how you feel like this is so unlikely to get to a place where you feel comfortable around these foods. I just want to let you know that it's, 100% possible. It's never too late to repair your relationship with food, no matter how long we've gone. Um, but there is something else that I wanted to add to this topic of the post that I had shared, because today I actually onboarded a new client. And one of some of the one of the things that she is struggling with is similar to what I had explained, except her habits actually affected her husband. So Mm. while it might be scary to move in with someone else who keeps these foods at home, it's also important to think about how your habits with food affect your partner. So she had told me that her husband felt like she was constantly judging him for eating certain foods like chips. And so he started to buy them and eat them all when she was at work and then toss toss out the chips. So our relationship with food affects other people. So Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to help her work through it. But I think that's something to keep in mind. So it's not just you, whatever behaviors you have, you know, they can definitely trickle to other people, even if it is your husband or boyfriend who might seem like they don't have any, you know, struggles with food. Yeah, that's so that's so important. And then to go off of that, too, if if we're a mom, for instance, and Mm -hmm. we have food rules and we're dieting, our kids pick up on that. Our kids Mm -hmm. know, even if you're not talking about your body in a negative way, they see what you're doing. They see you counting your Weight Watchers points. They see you tracking your foods. They see you eating something differently than them. And so when they become a 10 or 12 year old child and they go to school and see these foods, I mean, it, it affects our kids so much along with our spouse. And if you're in college, your college roommates, I mean, I like I've lived with people in my life and I've completely changed my diet based on who I'm living with. And now I would never do that. Now it's like I eat what I eat, but I've totally lived with people that made me feel very guilty for eating certain mm-hmm. foods who said, are you going to eat that? You didn't work mm-hmm. out today. I mean, I, it's insane. And that affected me. And that to- I totally changed my diet for them. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just insane how our food choices affect other people and how other people's food choices affect us. And it, it just absolutely kind of insane how, how it can trickle, especially to kids. Yeah. yeah and I think that for sure they are. And they see way more than we think that they do. You know, they notice when you're skipping a meal or, you know, running on the treadmill instead of playing with them. Or actually I had this crazy story from my pastor that was, um, he talked about his experience with over-exercising. And um, he was so funny because the story is so relatable because he was talking about how 
he wanted to get healthy for his kids. He's like, I have three kids now. I can hardly keep up with them. So I started working out in the gym. I'd wake up before they got up for the day. I'd go work out and then I'd play with them all day. And then it got to a point where he'd be working out so hard in the morning that one day he was at the park and his daughter was trying to do the monkey bars and she couldn't do it. And she said, Daddy, will you come lift me and help me across the monkey bars? And he had to say no to playing with his daughter because his arms were so sore from a workout. And it, wow. he goes, in that moment, it struck me like lightning. My why was to be able to play with my kids. And now all of a sudden, it's completely mm-hmm. flipped. And that's what happens with diet culture is we take, we dip our toes in the water and we go, oh, I'm doing this for my health, for my kids, for my husband, for my future. But then all of a sudden, it topples on us, right? And all of a sudden, we're like, wait, now I can't keep up with anything and I can't have a life because I'm saying no to all these social engagements because I don't know what kind of food is going to be offered or I'm saying no to moving in with my, you know, love or whoever because I'm afraid of food. And it, it spins on us so fast, you guys. And I just thought that was such a great mm-hmm. illustration of when your why gets you moving in what you think is the right direction, but then kind of comes back at you. Mm-hmm. So um, intuitive eating is, is really important to find your why as well. And I want to make this distinction because I think it's hard for some people that although it's nice to have a why like, oh, I don't want my kids to grow up and be on a cyclical diet for the rest of their life. That's important, but ultimately we all want you to do this for yourself because you are so, so worth it. And your kids or your spouse or whoever's in your life is is going to get that from you. The, the fact that you love yourself so much to take care of yourself, that's what's going to break the cycle. Not, oh, I'm making this food choice for you. And then they just see the choice or the outward expression. It's really that loving yourself. Um, maybe we can talk a little bit more about helping people find their why. Um, I don't know, Bonnie, if you experience this with your clients, or maybe if you want to share from your personal experience, how mm-hmm. to find that why or how to go deeper into that. Yeah, I think that that's really important. And I would second what you said about how your why really has to come from a place of self-love. So while it's important, of course, to do it for your family members or those who care about you, at the end of the day, your number one reason needs to be for you. Um, So why do you want to do this? You know, do you want to be able to enjoy date nights with your husband? Do you want to be able to enjoy holidays without stressing? You know, think about what is important and specific to you. And I think that something that's really frustrating about diet culture is it always tries to make you feel like you're not enough. Like there's something about you that needs to be changed. And that makes it really hard to love yourself. But truth be told, you can start loving yourself today. Like right now, no matter how you are, no matter what you look like. And that's what I really like about intuitive eating because body image is about how we perceive ourselves. It's not necessarily about how we actually look. And the kinder you can be to yourself, the more it's going to help you in one, your relationship with food, your body image recovery, but it's just, it's just going to make your life so much more enjoyable. Like you don't need to change anything about yourself to start liking yourself and being kind to yourself and respect yourself. But I think for me, you know, my, my why and what really encouraged me to better my relationship with food is that I'm also faith-based just like, you know, you had mentioned you are with your pastor and all of that. And I knew that the way I was living was very, uh, of this world, you know, and that I, I really wasn't living up to my full potential and, and who I was because I was so focused on out, my outward appearance and worldly possessions. 
Yeah, I think that's so important. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're all Christians. And so we all believe in God. And we believe that we were, you know, beautifully made in his, you know, and in his image. And we shouldn't be caring about what we look like on the outside and that our personality is so much more important. And so, yeah, I think that it's so easy to get wrapped up in the outside world because Mm -hmm. we're just exposed to this all day long. Um, Even probably worse right now in quarantine because all we have right now, all that people are leaning on is the internet and Instagram Mm -hmm. and TV shows and movies. And so we're probably at a place that's scarier now than it's ever been. And people are so dependent on, well, during quarantine, I'm going to, I'm going to lose all this weight. So when quarantine's over, I can show everybody how Mm -hmm. successful I was. And um, it's just, it's not what's important in life. And it's hard to take the focus off of us because I think that we all deep down, we want to be loved and accepted. And we feel like if we lose the weight, we'll be more accepted by people. We Mm -hmm. feel like if we, you know, drop the pant size, that'll automatically mean that we're healthier for our kids. And it's just that that doesn't go hand in hand. Like I've done so many posts on postpartum and just you're not a better mom because you fit into your postpartum or your pre-pregnancy pants faster Mm -hmm. than the other mom. Like that doesn't make you a better mom. Um, Or at all. (laughs) Yeah. It just, yeah. It's like, because you can fit into your high school genes, that doesn't mean that you're just a better person than somebody who can't. I mean, our bodies Mm -hmm. change over time. And yeah, I think it's hard to accept that. But if, if you are Christian and you believe in, you know, God, I think it is easier to, kind of put the focus back on him and not on us, which we all need. I think we all need a gentle reminder of that. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think in our faith, you know, and obviously not everyone who listens to this podcast is likely a Christian. So whatever that is for you, whatever, you know, your higher power or higher being or whatever it is for you that gives you drive to live this life. But for us, if we believe what the Bible says about who we are as people, we believe that God sees good in us, that we are his daughters and um, made in his image and that we are good but at the same time, we're struggling with our body saying it's bad, this body that he gave to us, like that's in constant war with our creator. Mm-hmm. So we're constantly, I mean, how exhausting to honestly continuously be at war with the person who we believe made you or the being who made mm-hmm. you. And so living your life, it's kind of reminds me actually of what we were talking about at the beginning um, about being low carb, but then you read intuitive eating and you're kind of in this dissonant state of mm-hmm. like, how can I live these two things at the same time? I want to believe what God has to say about me and who I am, but I also believe that my body is bad and it's horrible and I let it to get to this bad state and I'm not strong enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not whatever enough, mm-hmm. but also God says I'm enough. How can I marry those two things and, and truly believe it? And that is a really Really hard struggle and was a very hard struggle for me as well of this body image of and I made this post a long time ago that's like hey God isn't surprised by your body right now mm-hmm. like there he didn't intend you to be a size x whatever and he intended you to be as you are right now now in that he also intended you to respect your body and to honor your body and to honor him through your body and so there that to me 
screams intuitive eating, <laughs> you know, he, I, I believe he built our bodies to tell us when we're hungry, when we're full, what we need, what will feel good. I believe he put food on this earth for enjoyment. I mean, why else would there be a thousand different kinds of fruits? And, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. this is meant to be enjoyed and um, to be savored and to be pleasurable and fill our soul up and all these sorts of things. And so I think it's important to remember that when we're trying to kind of align our worldly bodies with who we believe we are in Christ. So I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And for any of the listeners on here who might not share our faith, um, you can also practice forms of spirituality without sharing the same faith that we do. And if you actually read the intuitive eating book and look through it, they talk often about how having some sense of spirituality is important. It's a really important aspect of self care. And mm-hmm. just having some sort of sense of a higher being, whether that's through your faith or, you know, filling your time with inspirational books, time in nature, things like that. And we all have this desire within us to have this sense of a higher being. And sadly, it seems like diets often take that place because they give you hope. They give you something to work towards, like a set of laws that you can follow. And mm-hmm it kind of fills that void that a lot of people tend to look for. So when you can focus your energy on something more self-serving in the spiritual spiritual realm, whatever that looks like for you, I know for me personally, through strengthening my faith and focusing more on who I am as a daughter of Christ, that helped me through it and helped me not focus so much on diet culture and you know how that gave me a sense of being because that's a false sense of being. Um, it's, it's fleeting. It doesn't last and it's going to keep you going back for more because it's not effective and it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. That's an incredible connection that you just made about people searching for something higher and some rules to follow that people, I mean, wow, I've never thought of Mm -hmm. it that way. Um, you know, this is like what I've heard a lot is like people are making politics, their religion, or, you know, it's, Um, it's people mm -hmm. that are looking for something, some sort of rules to order their chaos in their life, you know? And I, Gosh, that was really good. I'm never going to forget that, I bet. <laughs> yeah. And even um, our church, like our church message is we're all imperfect people, like pursuing a perfect God. And so our whole mission of our church is none of us are perfect. We're all imperfect. And just like really believing that and understanding that, no, we're not perfect. We're not meant to be perfect. That's okay. We all have flaws. Let's just embrace mm-hmm. our flaws and put our eyes on something else. I think that's so, so important. And so just a good reminder. And I think, um, I don't know, I'm sure for you guys too, I know when I'm more in the word and around people who follow, you know, these same views and have these same morals and I'm praying more like I'm just in a better headspace. I'm mentally in a better place. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've even had people like come to me, like I've had a really, really rough few years and I've had people come to me like, how are you even positive right now? Like your life is in shambles and how do you even deal with this? Like if I were you, I would just be so depressed and in such a bad place. And it's like, yeah, you just have to take the focus off your shitty situation sometimes. And like, you know, and I just feel like it just helps your mental health and your mental health is so vital to your physical health. And I think people just tip, like they just forget, they just, think weight is it weight is your only physical marker and people just forget and your mental health is so vital and so if you have depression if you have anxiety if you are struggling with anything 
that needs to really be the focus of your health Mm -hmm. versus your pant size. Right. Food is only food is only one piece of the puzzle too. And that's what I try and remind people when we look at markers of health, like food is not the only thing and what we eat is not the only thing that dictates our health. There's so many other Mm -hmm. things like genetics, our environment, um, how we take care of ourselves through doctor visits and checkups. And I mean, there's just, there's so much. And I think that our society places so much value on eating the perfect diet, you know, looking at the wellness diet, for example, um, and making it out to be that there's just a perfect way to eat. And there's not, there's really not. And it's not going to be your one ticket to total health because there's so many more things that come into play, like your mental health, like you had mentioned, Brooke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Absolutely. letting go of being perfect is is hard in all aspects of our lives. And I think a lot of us do struggle that struggle with that around food. It's like, I want to eat the perfect thing. I have so many people coming mm-hmm. to me asking for a meal plan. Tell me exactly what to eat, <laughs> when to eat it. And it's funny, before I found intuitive eating, I remember feeling just wrong doing this. I had several friends who were in the fitness industry asking me if I could help them uh, make meal plans for their customers. And I was like, no, that just feels so wrong to like, hey, eat a turkey burger with one tablespoon of ketchup or whatever. (laughs) I haven't even met these people. And I'm just making these blanket racks, trying to email them out like this is so and I literally just turned everyone down. I was like, nope. And I couldn't really explain why until I found Mm -hmm. intuitive eating where I was like, oh, this makes so much sense. This is why not everyone can be on the same meal plan. And just like, I feel like a famous, you know, meme is like, we can all eat the same thing and exercise the same way. We're all still going to look so different. Mm -hmm. And what a blessing that is that we all look different and act different and have different perspectives and different life experiences to make Mm -hmm. up this amazing, diverse world, right? I mean, it's, it's so important to us as a culture and as a community and I just think it's it's really sad that diet culture boils us all down to the same looking person. That's what they want. And mm-hmm. and it's yeah. not achievable either. So um, I guess as we're starting to kind of wrap this up, I did want to see what are some tangible tips we can leave our listeners with today that are like your go to's like um, to help someone. Maybe they're just finding intuitive eating. They're not really sure how to start. Where would mm-hmm. you kind of lead them to go or try doing it at home on their own? Yeah, that's a really great question. So something I find that a lot of women tend to struggle with when they first start working with me is they don't have consistency in the way that they eat at home. So building a consistent routine to build trust with your body, like you have a relationship with your body. So what can you do so that you can build that relationship and allow your body to rely on you? So that would be eating meals consistently, um, having snacks, and practicing self-care. So I think that those are really important because more often than not, I see women skipping meals, second-guessing their hunger, trying to not snack. And when you can nourish your body through your food choices, that solves a lot of problems in and of itself. And aside from that, I would recommend following as many intuitive eating dietitians and professionals as you can because when you're on Instagram and social media, you can learn so many bits and pieces of helpful information to guide you in your beginning stages of intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. I love that. And can you remind people where to find you on social media and if they want to work with you? Um, Do you do one-to-one coaching or group coaching? Sorry. Right now I do both. So I have one-on-one and I do group. So those are both options. You can find me on Instagram at diet culture rebel. 
And my website is bonnieroney.com. I'm not sure when this is going to be aired, but I'm getting a website redo. So hopefully by the time you hear this, I will have a new beautiful website. Awesome. And we'll link it down below as well. I keep pointing. They can't see me, but it's down below, you guys, in the description box. So definitely check that link out and check her out on Instagram. That's a really great tip. Um, I actually, it's so funny how intuitive eating our life cycles go so cyclical because this is what Mm -hmm. I recommend to my moms when I'm teaching them how to you know feed their children is like create a meal and snack schedule so that and so many people think that's like anti-intuitive eating to have a schedule Mm -hmm. it's like no 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 it's because you want to create that consistency of opportunities to eat so that you can build Mm -hmm. that trust same thing goes for adults is you want to be able to trust yourself to feed yourself often and enough so yes exactly Awesome. Yeah. Well, um, any final thoughts, Ready? Are we ready to sign off? Sorry, I'm Brooke, ready. I thought I caught you off. So. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. No, thank you so much. We loved having you on. We love having just a variety of dietitians on here because I think that we all are slightly different, but we all have the same approach. And I think mm-hmm. it's so important to just find somebody that you jive with if you're coaching or there's so many good podcasts out there too. We've had Claire Tuning on this podcast and we've been on hers and mm-hmm. her podcast is seriously one of my favorites. And I just love, um, I just love like hearing insight from other dietitians because I learn something new every time we have a guest on. And um, every time I follow somebody new in the intuitive eating space, I feel like I'm always picking up tidbits that are presented in a way that I wouldn't necessarily think about, but mm-hmm. I totally agree and align with. So yeah, thank yeah. you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. All right, you guys, I hope you liked that episode as much as Brooke and I enjoyed recording it for you. We've been wanting to get Bonnie on for a long time, and now you know why. We covered so much information in such a short period of time. I'm so mind blown by that episode. We covered so much. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. And um, just thank you so much for Bonnie, um, to Bonnie for coming on. It was a pleasure. And all of her information is linked down below for you. I also wanted to remind you guys, if you're not following us on Instagram, to go ahead and hit that follow button so that you can stay most up to date with what's going on with Diet Rioters over here at Diet Riot Podcast with Brooke and Alyssa. Um, we also have some super exciting news coming coming out very, very soon. And we actually do live Q&As on our Instagram every Monday. So a ton of information over there. And if you're not already, please join our email list. I'll link it down below for you in that description box. We are going to be sending out some super exciting information out to our email subscribers very soon. So make sure to get on that list if you're interested. And um, yeah, like I said, that is linked below. Anyways, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, as always, the best compliment you can give us is reviewing it, giving us a written review. That really helps spread the message of our podcast and show it to more people. So thank you so much for being here, for subscribing, for listening, and for sharing. See you guys all next Tuesday.